Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 21 Leaders Podcast, a show where we learn from today's global leaders that will dominate the 21st century in fintech business and beyond. Coming to you from New York City, I'm your host, Miguel Armaza. If you enjoyed this conversation, I invite you to subscribe, follow, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. Today's episode comes from Finno Summit Connect, a conference organized by Finnovista on the future of fintech in Latin America. In this special edition, we bring you a recording from my conversation with Angela Strange, general partner at Andreessen Horowitz, and Delete Tasmon, co-founder and CEO at Jeeves, where we discuss Angela's take on the fantastic evolution of fintech in Latin America and why these are still the early days, Jeeves' history, and why although they are building a global company, they actually decided to launch their first product in Mexico, challenges and opportunities for the ecosystem in the region, and just a whole lot more. Hope you enjoy this great conversation of the 21 Leaders Podcast and Finnovista with Angela and Dilip. Bienvenidos a todos. Welcome, everyone. And thank you for joining us today for what's no doubt going to be a fantastic session and discussion for everyone joining. Today, we have two outstanding guests. We have Angela Strange and Philip Tasman. In case uh, you don't know, Angela is a general partner and recent Horowitz, where since 2014, she's been investing in all things fintech, and she's been increasing financial inclusivity with every step she takes. And over the last years, she has led A16Z's fintech efforts in Latin America. And Dilip is the co-founder and CEO at Jeeves, where they are building an all-in-one expense management platform specifically for global startups. And they're already powering hundreds of startups across Latin America, Europe, and Canada. Truly a global company. And a fun fact that I heard from Dilip, he's from the same Stanford class as uh, David Vélez. So it is a, it is a great class, uh, as we can see. <laughs> well, welcome, Angela and Dilip. And let, let's actually jump right to it, right? Angela, you, you've been studying and investing in Latin America for a number of years. And of course, the scene has changed dramatically, right? Particularly recently. From your point of view and from where you sit, how would you describe this evolution? Yeah, this is one of those cases where if you haven't been following the region, then it seems like the growth in startup activity has been very slow and then seemingly all at once. But I think as anyone who's, who's been here would say, well, this has been building for quite a while in two main reasons. One, just the market conditions are ripe for new companies. There's a lot of consumer demand. We'll talk about that. And then two, you know, Delete being a case here, there's great, great talent that is ready to prosecute those opportunities. I take a fintech lens, uh, which, you know, if you look at the latest stats, is 40% of the investment. So it's, it's a very large market. But you just look, right? Like to state the obvious, Latin America is huge. It's 650 million people across 33 countries. Brazil and Mexico have half of that. And then you look, what are the financial services options? Well, in most countries, the banks, there's five or six of them. 
they serve 80%, they have 80% of the market and they serve the top 10 to 20% of the pyramid moderately well, right? There's 30 to 50% underbanked. Most people don't even have a credit card. In a lot of countries, it's, you've got 15% credit card penetration, but 80% of people have a smartphone. And you're like, well, is that going to change anytime soon? Probably not. The banks in LATAM have some of the highest return on equities in the entire world. So they're making lots of money. They're not going to go after prosecuting these opportunities. And then along comes COVID, which had many you know, terrible effects. But one of them that it had, which has accelerated this trend, is that e-commerce penetration has doubled. So we had good market conditions like high consumer demand, and that has accelerated dramatically in the last year and a half then let's look who's going to build those companies. There's a lot of very talented entrepreneurs in the region. And now what has also accelerated that is we have companies like Newbank, DLocal, Rappi, right? Where those executives have scaled those companies and now they're starting companies of their own. So we have talented people and experienced executives, very strong consumer demand. And that's what's just increasingly accelerating the startup activity in the region. And jumping in, I guess, the lead, you know, from, from your point of view, you're a global startup. You are serving many, many companies in Europe, in North America. Why jump into Latin America, right? What was uh, so attractive for you? Yeah, no, it's, it's a good question. And uh, thanks, for, thanks for having me on. Um, for us, you know, Mexico was the first market that we started. In, and there's a few reasons why. LATAM was um, so appealing. So we looked for three things. The first one is, is the country opening up to fintech regulation? Mexico passed a law for that. Brazil passed a law for that. So there are certain regions we wouldn't touch because it's a little bit more opaque. The second thing is, is there capital coming into the region? And to be completely honest, I don't think even we expected the amount of capital in the last 12 months that has flooded into LATAM. And so you know, a lot of our growth is driven off of that, right? If you raise $50 million, you then need payment infrastructure to use the $50 million. And then the last part, which I think ties into Angela's point, that's a unique sophistication that LATAM has now that it didn't have 10, 12 years ago, is second time, third time entrepreneurs, that some of them have had exits. And so their risk level is very different from traditional local VCs in the region. And so that's what's powering a lot of these new companies coming out there. And so for us, it was a no-brainer. I mean, Mexico is always going to be the first launch market, there is no Jeeves without LATAM, and LATAM is core to the business we're building out. And in fact, a lot of what we expand outside uh, of LATAM starts in LATAM. We tested out, I think today, you know, we'll talk about it in a little more detail, but we announced our Jeeves growth product, and that also started in Mexico, and we ran a pilot that were 20 companies, right? So it's just this unique position of you have the right people with the right talent and the right capital amount coming in, and other regions might have one or two, but it's also just the maturity of the ecosystem. So. When we were looking, you know, Mexico was always going to be number one. And, you know, realistically, there was no outcome where we didn't cover LATAM within the first, you know, six to eight months. How has the response been from your clients locally in, in Mexico? And I mean, it's been, it's been a little bit crazy. Um, you know, we, we started off with the corporate card product, right? So our core product is a corporate card you can use in any geo, in any currency. So... The idea there is that today, if you look at what companies need, they need access to capital to grow. And to Angela's point, I think local banks have a place in the ecosystem, but just because of how they're built, they aren't able to move with the speed and the agility that these companies need. Right. So what we can do that's unique is because we have our own infrastructure, we can actually provide both the card, the underwriting, the capital in your local currency in Mexico. But then if you're a growing company in Mexico, you're going to end up in Colombia and Brazil in Argentina. We can switch that without you having to do any change. And that's what's, I think, unique about what we're building out. Most 
fintechs tend to be single geo entities. They build for one market, they get regulated in one market, and that's their main focus. What we're doing that's unique is we have both the local level, which is fully regulated in Mexico, Colombia, et cetera, but we have a second level of infrastructure that is actually the core product. That is where you know our all our data and all our um, algorithms sit. So a good way to think about it is Jeeves is really a banking as a service platform, but there's only one app, the Jeeves app plugged into it. And our goal really is to make it as easy as possible for entrepreneurs in the region to focus on growing their business. You shouldn't have to worry about paying a vendor. You shouldn't have to worry about currency fluctuation. You shouldn't have to worry about FX fees. That's our job, right? And so we can do all of that for you. And, and I guess, Angela, it's, it's no secret that uh, you and the A16Z uh, team, you guys are, are backing and partnering with Jeeves. I'm curious, were you looking for a company within this thesis or did, you know, uh, stumbling upon Jeeves kind of force you to really start considering. Uh, so it was kudos to Dalip and Sherwin and team for having the idea and bringing all of this together. But um, I'll talk about three theses that were top of mind, such that when I met Jeeves, it was just light bulb, like, obviously, I need to invest into this team. The first one, you know, I spend a lot of my time in infrastructure. And we talk a lot about banking as a service. And if you look at what it takes to launch financial services companies in the U.S. now, there's lots of challenges. But put piecing the infrastructure together now, because a lot of these banking as a service players, is relatively easy. You can pick a great issuer processor. You can get a deposit account. You can get lending. If you come into Latin America, just because the, the ecosystem is earlier, those players are still being built. And so putting together infrastructure for financial services is still very difficult. So that's point one. And I was, I was looking for companies in that space. Point two, you talk to any CFO, even just a single currency CFO, and they have a complex technical diagram of a whole variety of systems that they're piecing together. And even then, it often takes them a month to close the books because reconciliation is difficult, right? If you have multi-currencies, that's even harder. So there's point two. And then point three... As you mentioned, I've been investing in the region for a while, and all of my companies were complaining about this problem of I'm paying a vendor in Colombia, I've got Amazon Web Services bills in the US, I've got rent in Brazil, like this is just a massive pain, right? So you bring infrastructure, bad tech for the CFO suite, this pain point chirping in my ear. I meet Dalip and Sherwin who have pieced all this together with a clever infrastructure layer on top and just the light bulb went off and that's very much what drove the investment in Chiefs. Dilip, your international model begs the question, how are you able to expand across borders so quickly? Um, international fintech is that the infrastructure is not always consistent, right? So you really have two ways to kind of look at it, which is one, do you want to get to market really quickly? Or two, do you want to build something that can scale across countries and regions? And for us, it was always the second box, which is if we were looking at building this from day one, with something that can work in Mexico, Colombia, Brazil, like what, what is the not so easy path to kind of get there? So it's always interesting when people look back and they're like, oh, you guys are launching so many countries. It's like, well, yeah, because we spent one year building out the whole infrastructure to allow us to be able to launch, right? So that's the part that people don't see as often, but that's really what gives us the flexibility because we don't plug into a third party component in Mexico, for instance, we have our own issuing bin, right? So we do that directly for every issue. And so that's what gives us the flexibility to move very quickly. And, and like Angela said, like having Matt join us has just supercharged some of the growth we're seeing. Right. And how have you kind of listened to your clients and decided for the next step, yep. right? Because I, I imagine you have to always be 
innovating, yeah. right? So what, what's next? For yeah, you? so maybe maybe I can spend a minute just kind of talking about our architecture because all of our product derives from the structure that we have internally, right? So if you look at a normal issuing structure, it consists of four components, at least the way I see it. You have the top of the funnel customer acquisition, you have the processor, you have the program manager for regulation compliance, and then you have the issuing bank that gives you a license to issue. What we do with Jeeves is we standardize the first three to sit directly on our own infrastructure. So when we go from Mexico to Colombia, we're really just changing that issuing bin that gives us the license to issue. And where possible, we get that directly. And that's not easy to do because if you have to do that, you have to go build the first three components to be able to do number four. And so when we look at what products we launch, most of our products are built centrally. So our model is actually much more similar to Uber's model where we build a product tech centrally, we deploy it locally, we connect local rails like Spay, Pix, et cetera. And then what's country specific is a GM type model. So we have a GM uh, regulation compliance, customer success, all that report up to the GM. And so when we look at what products to launch, really we look at it from that lens. And, and even I think today we just announced we launched Jeeves Growth. Uh, and the idea there is that we can provide 12 months of MRR upfront to you in your local currency. And so now you start thinking about what is unique about this. So we can actually look at your assets in a USD account, provide 12 months of your spend in your operational MXN pesos account, and you don't have to pay any uh, FX fees. And you also get that as a non-dilutive capital, right? So because we've built the structure where we have both the local entity in each country, Mexico, Chile, Colombia, Brazil, Europe, Canada, et cetera, and then we have a central layer we can actually look at it across regions and say, okay, you guys are good. Here's your monthly revenue coming in. And then you can say, actually, I want that in Colombian pesos because that's where I'm operating. We're like, totally fine because we have an entity on the ground in Colombia. We can send you payment there. And so that's what becomes very powerful over time. And when we look at product, it's the same lens, which is how do we build something that can scale across regions, not necessarily specific to one you know, specific geo or region. And so that's, that's also unique to what we launched, which is the Jeeves growth today covers about five or six direct currencies that we can pay out in. It, it almost sounds like you're building multiple <laughs> businesses. So my, the, the end goal really is to build a global business bank, right? You, if you look at what we're doing, we're building components of it, right? We're building the card, we're doing lending, we're doing advisory services. But the, the real driver that Shervin and I, you know, really kind of started this project company on is how do you build a global business bank that works in any country and any currency? That's, that's the end goal. That's the North Star that's what we're moving towards. And you can see, you know, we can launch very quickly because we did the, the work of building out that infrastructure in the beginning. But the real end goal is that, like today, if you have a business in Brazil and a business in Mexico, you have two separate banks, right? You have Bank of Brazil, Bank of Mexico, you have to use them, you have separate statements, you need a whole accounting team to reconcile it. And our end goal is that you just have a bank of Jeeves and it just works in different countries. And we have local entities that handle locally for you. We have a central layer that does it centrally for you, but you just sign up one time and you don't have to worry about anything after. That's really the end goal that we're driving towards. Well, and I think, too, like if you look at existing banks, like why could a bank in Mexico not underwrite how much money you're making in the U.S.? They have no idea how much money you're making in the U.S., right? And so nobody is that global system of record. And so if you can become that and know all of the money and all of the payments, then what are the things that you can layer on top? And I think to use growth is just one of such products. Switching gears a little bit, let's talk about the, the ecosystem, widely, and let's kind of try to try to talk about what's next, right? Uh, I guess, Angela, maybe starting with you, how do you envision the evolution of the ecosystem, particularly for FinTech, right? And, and with that, what are your main concerns? Because I guess, it, you know, there are risks and it's not all going to be smooth sailing. So 
what are some of those concerns that yep. we should be thinking about? I think that we are just getting started in the region. I like this quote a lot from Enrique from Brex, which uh, is from a year ago, but it still rings true of that said, it's hard to come up with a good idea in the US and Brazil. There's lots of obvious ideas. That doesn't mean that they're easy to do, right? And then if you look at Julio's report that just came out from Atlantico, tech companies have 3% of GDP right now, right? So if you believe, to quote my boss, that software is eating the world, we, we have a lot of eating to go. And so you can pick off by problem set, right? Like you talk to e-commerce merchants or buying online, like are consumers able to pay? No, card abandonment rates are some of the highest in the world. Fraud rates are some of the highest in the world, right? Like we've got an investment in a Adi, which is a buy now, pay later company that, that's trying to fix that. So that's one of the problem sets there. You go over to B2B, it's a similar type of problem set. Insurance, we're just at the tip of the iceberg. So lots and lots and lots of opportunities. And what are the challenges? Like startups are not, smooth sailing anywhere ever, right? Like it's, it's tough to build a new large company and it's, um, you know, how do you recruit the team? How do you find the capital? How do you sort of navigate product market fit? But I think that there's a lot of great opportunities and very smart teams going after them. Yeah, I always, always say that, you know, in the US 15 years ago, there was one tech company amongst the top 10 most valuable companies and that was Microsoft. You look at it today, you count Tesla, there's six out of 10. Without Tesla, it's five out of ten. Latin America, right now, there's basically two, right? And that's Mercado Libre, which is number one, and then HP. But I, I say that within five years or ten years, it's going to be ten out of ten of the most valuable companies in yep. America are going to be tech. And, and thinking of that, I guess, within fintech, what verticals do you think have the longest um, road for growth? <laughs> Still, we're early days, so... Um all of them. But if I was going to, uh, if I was going to nail in, um, you know, step one is there's going to be lots more fintech companies. What do those companies need to get started faster? They need those infrastructure layers. And there's interesting companies starting there, you know, Pomelo is one, but there's others. And I, I think there's a lot more growth to be done there. Then you fast forward X number of years, what's going to happen? Similarly, global companies like you know, Shopify, um, New Bem Shop, like other ones, right, are going to start to want to add more financial services, payments, lending, uh, insurance, right, to better retain their customers, get more monetization out of them. And so just the demand for faster building financial services and then adding financial services to consumer companies and enterprise companies will only accelerate. And so anything that is in that stack, deposit accounts, lending, KYC, AML, there's uh, still a very high demand there, and that's definitely an area that we're paying close attention to. I, I think one area we're looking at, and I think it's actually really exciting, even for the ecosystem, tying into your early, early question, uh, early question is, you know, how do we kind of incorporate some form of crypto? You know, it's it's one of those things where just given our business, the regulatory components are a little bit higher. But I, I just think as a personal fintech aficionado, it's just very exciting to see stuff like what's happening in El Salvador. Like, I don't know how the execution is going to be. I know there's going to be bumps and hiccups, but I think it's good for the whole ecosystem and you can get larger chunks of people involved. And so there's going to be ways that tweaks up, tweaks down. Uh, but that's something that for me, just as a personal you know, investor, startup founder, whatever, I just found very, very exciting. And I, I like the fact that there are countries willing to move in that direction because that pushes the whole ecosystem forward as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's becoming this, this petri dish of experimentation and, and there's this huge experiment. <laughs> so we'll see how that as Adam, I'm certainly following, following closely. Um, we're going to get some, some questions from the audience, but uh, while, while we 
get ready for that. One last question for you, Philippe, is, you know, as a multi-country distributed company, how are you maintaining a single culture? Because at the end of the day, culture is super important in, in, in within a company and a startup, right? Yep. Curious to hear how you No, it's, it's, uh, it's actually the number one thing that I, I kind of think about, which is, you know, we are 65 people right now. We're going to get to about 150 uh, by the end of the year. And, you know, a lot of what got us to this point, how do you make sure that continues? And so, you know, a big part of that is hiring the right people. Like for me, every region comes down to the GMs. And so that's the first hire that we make in every region. And then they propagate that culture in that region and become responsible for that region. And we also brought in a um, chief people officer from Facebook, Netflix. And you want to have people that have seen high growth, high blitz cultures because they bring some of that to GEs. And so I, I don't have a full answer for that yet. It's still a work in progress. But what I look for is, is core things, which is if someone joins a company, are they going to be moving the needle for the company? And then how do you empower the people that you hire to hire other people like that? So for me, it's more of like a, how do you do it well for the first layer and then make sure the first layer does it for layer two and layer three. But we're going to we're going to be another experiment in that because it's going to be growing very very quickly in the next uh, few months as well. It'll be exciting to watch, and uh, I think we have Elena who's going to be joining us uh, any minute now for questions. Thanks, Angela and Lip for your insights. And now the audience has a question for both of you. Let's see. Which are the key market dynamics that make Latin America a promising place to invest, but also to start as an entrepreneur? Angela, do you want to go or do you want me to go? Sure. It's um, some of the things that I said I said earlier, right, is that can you find a, a problem slash opportunity that you're excited to devote your life to for the next uh, for the next 10 years? Like, right. Like you've got to be just really passionate that this problem needs to be solved because, as Miguel said, building a company very difficult. And then you look at market conditions, right? Does the demand exist? Uh, Delete mentioned often there's more favorable regulation for financial services in Latin America than many places in the world. Like that's a great tailwind, especially if you can start your company right as that inflection point as the regulation is changing, right? I'd point to insurance in Brazil. There's some interesting things going on there. I expect to see a bunch more companies coming out. And then, you know, do you have a, a network such that you can attract the, the people to join you? So can you materialize capital? Can you materialize labor? And then do you have that problem set that you're really excited to go after? And there's just a lot of great opportunities to pursue. Yeah, I think just kind of uh, adding to that, I think what I see that's really interesting in LATAM is the fact that there's a lot of penetration for people on kind of mobile devices. So you see this a lot in developing countries, developing economies that are becoming developed countries where you kind of leapfrog in the technology adoption rate. So when we built out Jeeves, for instance, we had to have a mobile app that was fully functioning, not a read-only app, because most of our users actually interact with the mobile app. And so you then get an audience and a segment of the population that's willing to try new products. And I think that's actually key for an entrepreneur. Like we launched Jeeves Growth three weeks ago. We already have more than 20 companies using it, right? And, and there's a willingness of like, okay, yeah, I'll try it. This sounds good. There's some trust level with Jeeves. Like, that's fine. We'll take that risk, right? So. That I think is what's powering, at least from the entrepreneur perspective, the idea to you know launch new products, to try new things, because there is that openness and that appetite to actually consume that which you need. It's almost like a marketplace. Delete and also Miguel, it was great to have you here. Till the next time. Thank you guys, Bye -bye. appreciate it. It's great to be here. Thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoyed this great chat with Angela and Delete. 
you want more interviews, make sure to subscribe, follow, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. It helps and means a lot. As always, I want to extend a very special thank you to the amazing editor, Rafael Ostria, for his amazing work behind the scenes. Signing off, till next week, I'm your host, Miguel Armasa. <laughs>